Kim is, uh, she's amazing. She does everything, everything around here. Um, I do know, knowing that there are some males in this room, that um, you've already, you've forgotten to get a card. Okay, so your your mind is you're not. I got to bring you back, guys. Got to bring you back because you're already thinking about how to get the chocolate fountain without coming off creepy, right? Uh, and, and so I have, I've I've purchased some extra cards uh, for men here because I know you, and um, I just want to let you know that I'll have them afterwards by the door where I stand, and they're fifty dollars each. Okay. I still have one kid left in college. I'm not above this, all right? Um, I thought I'd share with you a, a very sentimental one. Um, it says, the pessimist views the glass half empty. The optimist views it half full. The mom views it as one more thing she has to pick up because somebody was too thoughtless to put it in the dishwasher, all right? Any amens for moms in here? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Moms, you, you are amazing, and we as a church, we want to celebrate you, we, um, we honor you for being beautiful and brave, and we have a wide diversity of, of women here today that um, hang on to that mom title, and you heard it through the prayer that was said for you, but I also want you to hear it from me as I have just been kind of thinking about my audience this week, and know that we have some single moms, and those of you who are single moms, you are my heroes. Uh, how you do it, how you get all the plates spinning and manage life is just amazing to me. Uh, I know we have some moms who you actually, uh, you, you, you have kids that have kind of gone wayward and your heart is heavy and you're wounded by that. And I, I grieve with you. I know we have some women here who long to be mothers, but for whatever reason, they can't be right now. And for that, I am, I'm so sorry. We have moms who are nearing empty nests or are in the empty nest stage, and that brings on a whole new adventure, trying to adjust to what that is. Um, we, have, we have moms who have gone through the horrible loss of a child, and I don't know how you do that, that how, you, um, how you even continue to move on. We have moms who have um, received children through adoption and foster care. We have moms who are part of blended families where life is just very unsettled. We have some moms here who are mothers of teenagers. Let me see your hands, moms of teenagers. Yeah, some days you, you feel like you're the queen, and other days you feel like you're an idiot. Uh, and that's just what happens when you are a parent of, of teenagers. And then we have some mothers of newborns and, and toddlers who are, um, who I just want to give you permission. Fall asleep right now. Seriously, just fall asleep for this message. Listen to it on the podcast when you drive, but just, just get a little bit of breath and relaxation before you uh, have to pick up and face those, those kids again, because we know your husband will be at the chocolate fountain and uh, not with you. So let's do this. If you are a mom, will you please, or a mom, or somebody who wants to be a mom, will you please stand up and let's just pause and like we do at Mariners Michigan, would you just extend a hand of blessing? towards these moms. If you're close, lay your hands on them. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, let's, let's pray for, for these moms. Jesus, thank you for the moms here today. I pray for those who want to be moms, but they can't. In the midst of their stress and their fear and their doubt, will you give them peace? We just pause to thank you for love and thank you for using moms to help us better understand the depth of your love and your sacrifice for us. 
We ask you to reveal your presence to them today in a way that they will know that they are loved and valued. Thank you for their beauty and their bravery. We pray in the name of Jesus. Um, as you go ahead and reach in your outline, and what I want to do, moms, is I want to expand your definition a bit. Um, two years ago when I spoke on Mother's Day here, I, I talked about what I learned from, um, God's, from my mom about God's love. And what I want to do today, I want to take a, a, a different angle at this mothering deal. As a matter of fact, moms, I wanna, when I say I want to expand your definition a little bit, I want you to think beyond mothering those you have given birth to. And men, I want to expand your attention span a little bit because I know uh, you're thinking, I don't have ovaries, I uh, can check out of this one. No, I'm going to be doing a lot of um, mom speak today, but everything I talk about applies to you. Let's take a look at this first verse in your notes or up on the screen. 1 Timothy 5 says, treat younger men as brothers and Older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Now, I realize that in a crowd this size, there are many of you who know a lot about the Bible. There's many of you who do know, don't know anything about the Bible. And everyone in between, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we're thrilled that you're here. But one of the common themes in the scripture is that the church is a, a family. And so as a family, just let's think family, Mariners, Mission Viejo, we have some family relationships that appear within the church, that the men are brothers. So you and I, we might come from different families, but if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, as I have, as the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is in me, you and I are brothers. So we can even say, hey, brother, that way we don't have to remember each other's names, which is fine. <laughs> Brother, how you doing, brother? Because we are brothers, okay? Uh, we're, we're, we're brothers. That's part of the family. Younger, younger girls, we're your sisters. You're sisters in Christ. And what the scripture says is that older women are to be treated, and we'll find out soon, to act as mothers, as actually spiritual mothers. Every healthy church family needs women who are a little more season, okay, a little more mature to, to actually care for the younger women in the church to make sure that they are loved and nurtured and trained and cared for, that really what I'm talking about today that I just, I want you to catch a, a vision for is that we need women, again, guys, be listening to, because same applies to you, but I'm not talking to you, yes, I am, but no, I'm not, okay, that we need, we need women who will take on the, the role of being spiritual mothers to the next generation. I've been hanging around here for about three years now. And the number one complaint that I hear about Mariner's Mission Viejo, besides the wall, the wall is the number one, that's, like, that's a given, all right? But the, the, number, the number two complaint that I hear is, you know, it's just, it's, it's filled with so many young families that when I go there, I feel old. Okay, now everybody close their eyes. Close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. If you have had that complaint, nobody's looking except for me, raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand. Some of you are lying right now. You're lying. Moms, okay, you get the day off from lying. Yeah, some of you have said that to me. 
And when people say, I feel so old here, you know what I say? Good. Good, because you are old. <laughs> and I get it. I'm old, too. I had to get a colonoscopy this year. That is the age of old. When the doctor forces you to get one, that means you are, you are old, all right? And, and, but you are needed here because there are younger women who are part of our family who need you to be a spiritual mother to them. I love this quote. I put it in your notes. It's up on the screen, too. Elizabeth Elliot, she's a famous author. Many years ago, she wrote this. Amy Carmichael became for me what now some call a role model. But she was far more than that. She was my first spiritual mother. She showed me the shape of godliness. Now, if you have a pen, just underline those last few words. She showed me the shape of godliness. I love that line. I love the word picture related to that, the shape of godliness. In our culture... Women grow up with such an emphasis on a certain type of shape that they've got to look a certain type of way that a body shape is to determine beauty. And from a very early age, girls, females, they stress and obsess. And this obsession starts at a very early age, like this girl right here, okay? Yeah, she, her parents already have her on a diet, okay, which is, which is wrong. But in, in, the eyes, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God, beauty breaks past the skin and bursts into a woman's heart. That beautiful is really the shape of godliness. And I want to show you some, some pictures of some beautiful women who show the shape of godliness to the next generation around this place. This is Rachel. She's children's pastor here and a foster mom. This is Becca. She's the children's director here. This is Christina. Christina is the elementary coordinator from kindergarten through fifth grade. This is Summer, early childhood coordinator, birth through pre-K. This is Wendy, who is the church administrator here. Uh, this is Christy, and this is uh, Jeff's assistant. So you need to be praying for Christy, <laughs> all right? Just pray for her. And those of you uh, that, I'm not kidding, all right? I, I helped Jeff uh, move some things this week into their new house. How great is it that he finally fell into God's will and moved into Mission Viejo, all right? Yeah. Uh, but I helped him move, and then I, I saw this, this photo on his refrigerator, and I just had to steal it. <laughs> Now, for those of you that you're visiting with us for the first time, um, I am not the pastor. The, Jeff is the pastor. Not, not the one with the big arms. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Jeff. I know you can, you can do like nine push-ups. Uh, so you need to pray for Christy as she tries to uh, manage him. And, and some of you are like, what is that all about? Here's the truth is that Jeff is a, a soccer coach of his daughter, and so... Um, they decided to dress up as a girl. So anyway, you pray for Christy. All right, back to the beautiful and the brave. Uh, this is Hillary. Hillary is the junior high pastor here. And Hillary's not a mom. 
and I asked Hillary for permission to put this up on the screen because Hillary is trying to be a mom and they're struggling in that in that journey and experiencing some infertility right now and, and um, you know she's an amazing amazing person she's a mom in her heart and then of course you met Kim so brave and beautiful who runs this place when she is the queen of this place all right everything that happens you know pretty much happens because of her and then uh, Amanda this is Jeff's wife I I call her the first lady of the church, all right? She's the first lady of the church, and she's amazing. But these women are beautiful, and they're brave because they are showing the shape of godliness to the next generation, showing this church family what it looks like to live for Jesus and follow Jesus. And ladies, if our church family can capture this vision today, of that you actually have something to pass on to the next generation. I don't care what age you're at. There's somebody younger here than, than you that you can pass that on. When, when women do that, women, let's be honest, you are a powerful force. You are much more of a powerful force than, than men. When women get together and they have a collective heart, that is an army. I don't know why we didn't start our army on women. Okay, uh, probably because they were too loving. But you know, I mean, you, you like mothers against drunk driving, right? Uh, mothers against teen violence. I actually went online this week to find out what are some of the mothers of. There is one group called Mothers from Hell. Okay, and this is what it says: Our name was something that was bestowed on us for daring to stand up for our kids. You can almost see that in our culture, can't you? That there are some, you know diplomats or bureaucrats or something going, oh man, geez, that's, that, those are mothers from hell. Why? Because they're standing up for the kids. And that's a great, great thing. There's also one that was weird called Mothers Against Circumcision. And um, I don't really, I didn't, I didn't keep clicking on that to find out what <laughs> that was about. It. And if you're in elementary school and you don't know what circumcision is, ask your dad. Uh, ask your dad. In the Bible, just take them through an Old Testament lesson. So, ladies, please hear this deeply from my heart, okay? And if I don't say this, my wife would be so mad at me. I don't want to add more to your plate. I don't want to add more to your plate. But what I do want to do is I want to go into God's Word and I want to plant a seed and at least get this seed of passing on to the next generation in your mind and your heart so that when you are ready for it, Okay, that when you're ready for it, you can take your God-given influence and become really a, a spiritual mother to influence the next generation and change the world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great German theologian, said this, A righteous person is one who lives for the next generation. Ladies, you want a legacy? You want an eternal impact in the lives of others? You want your life to ripple into eternity long past you, then you invest in younger women. And to help us get the picture, if you have your Bible, or it's in your notes or up on the screen, turn to Titus. Titus is a little book that we don't talk about much. It's obscure. Um, the context is the Apostle Paul planted a church in the island of Crete, and he left behind this pastor. He left behind this pastor named Titus, 
And the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the books in the New Testament, was the church planner in the early church. What he does is he writes back to Titus about how to make sure your church is headed in the right direction. And Paul could have talked about a lot of different things, but it's interesting that this is one of the primary strategies that he chose to make sure, Titus, that you have a healthy church. Take a look. Titus 2, starting with verse 3. Teach the older women to live in a way that is appropriate to, for someone serving the Lord. They must not go around speaking evil of others and must not be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, and to take care of their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame to the word of God. Now, as soon as I read this text, two elephants just came marching into the room. Right? You're laughing because you know what the elephants are. For first of all, some of you are saying, well, what constitutes an older woman? And the Apostle Paul was a coward. And right? It's one of the things I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. Why didn't he put an age there? Because now you made people like me deal with this. Okay, what, what is an older woman? So I'm not going to chicken out. I'm going to tell you the exact age of an older woman. It is one year older than my wife. All right? <laughs> so if you are 33, you are an older woman, okay? The second elephant that marched into this room is the word what? Submissive, exactly. And understandably, ladies, you know, they have such a strong reaction to this. I can't tell you how many weddings I've been asked to do over the years. We really like what the Bible teaches on love, but can you not use the submit word? Okay. And here's the deal. We interpret the Bible in light of the Bible. Okay? You don't take one word out and then create a theology around it. If you want to understand more about that word, you go to what Paul said in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, where he says this. Husband's wife, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yes, we're told to submit to one another. Women are told to submit, but here's the deal. Guys, here's what guys are told. Guys are told to love their wives as Jesus Christ loves the church, which is perfect love, which is unconditional. So I don't think if a husband is loving his wife unconditionally, perfect love, that submission is going to be an issue, right? So let's deal with submit at another time, maybe when Jeff's here, uh, you know, at, at Father's Day. It's just, it's just not, it's not essential to where we're going today, but I had to mention the elephant because some of you remember, I'm, I'm not even going to listen to that guy, right? I mean, he, you know, he, he used to submit. Good. Paul doesn't get into specifics of how the older are to care for the younger, but he does say older women train the younger. And I want to just give you two simple observations from this text that I want you to think about this week. Again, guys, don't check out. Same applies to you. Just not talking to you. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. So the first is this. How you live matters. Okay? How you live matters. That Paul says that if the church is going to be healthy, that women 
have a role to play. And what I love about this passage, ladies, is that the older women are not marginalized. They're not, they're not put out to pasture at a, at a certain age. They're not, they're not sitting on the sidelines in some type of early spiritual retirement. They have a very important role to play in the life and the health of the church. And can I tell you, I, well, I, can't, I can't even count the number of times that 30, 40 years I've been living in this community, that the number of young women who have approached me for a date, no, uh, who are younger, <laughs> young women who have, who have approached me to say, is there anybody that you know who could mentor me? Is there anybody that you know who could help me navigate this relationship? Is there anybody that you know who has been through this because I'm going through this right now? Is there anybody you know who could walk alongside of me? You see, well, I, my observation, especially with a lot of young families here, a lot of you ladies in here, you're tired. I get it. I mean, I can remember when our kids were little in the zone, coming home one day and saying, where's mom? She's, she's in the bathroom, Daddy. She's been there for like two hours. Okay? And Kathy didn't have to go to the bathroom. She just didn't want to be touched anymore by kids, right? She, ladies, you're nodding your heads. You, you get that. Somebody in your world always wants something from you. And what I hear is women saying, I want somebody to come alongside of me that doesn't want anything from me, but might actually give something to me that might fill my cup, that might lend me some wisdom, that might give me some insight, that might help me navigate this. And in this text, Paul basically gives us five challenges. And I'm not going to unpack them. I just put them in your notes there. But what he says, women, is that they would remain teachable. If you want to have an impact, you have to keep learning. You never arrive. Second, Watch your lifestyle. Why would you watch your lifestyle? Because the younger women in the church are looking up to you. They're watching you and how you live and how you navigate life. Paul basically said the same thing to Timothy in another text, 1 Timothy 4.16. He doesn't just say this to women. He says it to men. He's saying, Timothy, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. So you stay teachable, you watch your lifestyle. The third is you stay active in serving God. I've read the Bible a lot. I went to four years of Bible college, three years of graduate school. I've been a Christian since I was 17. I've read a lot. I have never found one single verse in the entire Bible that allows us to retire from serving. Retire, retire from your career, absolutely. But there's nothing about, I mean, if you still have a pulse, that means God still has a plan for you, and you can do something with it. It's amazing to me that as I, I look at the landscape of the church, I see you know, some of the older women, they now have the time, they have the wisdom, they have the, the experience to pass on, and then they just they sit on the sideline and they don't serve. No, he says stay active in, in serving. Um, last Friday night, my wife and I went to Mariner's Newport Beach. They had a date night deal, and I love it that Mariner's uh, Irvine, the mothership, 
um, copies what we do, okay? Because we have been doing this for, what, Kim, over a year, year and a half. We've had four, four, and they went, oh, that's awesome. We should do that. We're like, we know. Uh, you should follow what we do. And so I went, Kathy and I went to observe their, their date night, and Jeff and I were talking about this afterwards, and the reason, you know, we want, we want Mariner's Mission Viejo to be a place where marriages are helped. And this is a place that values marriage and wants to help, encourage, and date night, you know, it used to be just, um, it used to be just intuition, like, hey, if you date your spouse, it's probably going to be good for you. It's no longer intuition. It's empirical research. University of Virginia has studied thousands and thousands and thousands of marriages. When they date, there's many, many benefits to it. We know that. So we're trying to provide child care, the whole bit. And the four that we've done have been very successful, except we only fill up about half of the room because we don't have enough child care. And Jeff was telling that story to his mom, who's adorable, and she's here today, Allison. And Allison was like, well, because Allison's, Jeff is her kid, and he's, well, kind of grown. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's grown older. We'll see about the grown-up part. But he, uh, she says, you know, I've got time. A lot of my friends have time. We could help with the child care at that date. And I thought, Allison, I thought that's a perfect illustration of what it means to be in a season of life where you can serve God and help in ways that just doesn't seem that significant. Really, watching kids, yes. Watching kids so a couple could work on their marriage get away for a few hours, that our church would be a safe place to have their kid. Because you want to be a good parent, you got to have a good marriage. And I thought, that Jeff, can I tell that story? And he gave me permission, Allison, I probably should have asked you. Uh, but, you know, I thought that's a great illustration of what it means to stay active in serving God. Some of you, you're sitting on the sidelines, moms. Okay? Some of you need to be on the sidelines because you can barely put your clothes on. I, I get that, okay? You're just so tired and exhausted. But others of you, there, there's opportunities for you to serve in little ways that you can't even, you don't, wouldn't even think that that's serving God. Then fourth, he says, practice self-control with your tongue. Basically saying they're not gossips, they're not slanders, they're not critical, they're not negative, they're not complaining. And then fifth is be aware of inappropriate behavior. Now, he makes a connection to alcohol here, and I don't know what was going on in that early church, it wouldn't be, you know, uncommon for there to be craziness, but I think the bigger principle, Paul is saying, if you wouldn't want something, somebody knowing that about, that about your life, or watching it, or modeling after it, there, be careful. Now, here's what I want you to do, is I want every one of us, regardless of male or female, I want you just to circle the one that you think, I probably could work on that one a little more, okay, I, I probably need to put that one on your radar. For example, for me, I circled practice self-control with your tongue, okay? I, I can't tell you, well, you probably can imagine how many times I get myself in trouble with the words that I use, uh, but I, I need to practice self-control with my tongue. Then what I want you to do is I want you to look at that list, whether you do it now or you do it afterwards, and I want, I want you to think, who's a, who's a woman who comes to my mind that fits that category? And you write that person's name down, that person doesn't need to be perfect, but, but that actually describes that person. And then what I want you to do this week is I want you to appreciate that person and say, hey, I, we were at church this weekend. We were just talking about some, some things, and I thought of you, and I just I appreciate how you've lived this out in front of me. Okay, what a beautiful gift that would be. 
Now the second observation from this text, and it's even more important than the first, is who you pass it on to matters most. Okay? Who you pass it on to matters most. In 2 Timothy verse 5, okay, I, I love this because Paul speaks to young Timothy of his rich heritage of faith. Ladies, watch this. So this is Timothy, who Paul has, has basically planted a church, and now Timothy's in charge of it. And, and he says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. That Paul is saying, Timothy, I, I've watched your life, and it is so obvious that your grandmother's spiritual tank was emptied into your mom's tank, and your mom's values are now living out through you. That Timothy, you had great spiritual heritage. And let me just address moms who are still at home with, with your kids. Moms, I know you got a lot to think about today. So you maybe don't think about it today, but just write it down and think about it the next time you read your Bible or your journal or you pray for your kids. But I'd say this, that the spiritual training of your children is, is your responsibility. If you're married, it's you and your husband's re responsibility. And often what I find where we live in Orange County is that so many parents are concerned about academics, athletics, setting our kids up so they're going to have the right kind of job so they can succeed. And they often neglect the spiritual training of their kids. That's, that's our role as, as parents. Now some of you will say, well, that's why we're here. Because you have a great junior high and high school ministry and children's ministry and, and, and that's why we come here. And we do. We have an amazing children's ministry, amazing junior high and high school ministry that is to supplement, not substitute. Okay? There's, a, there's a big difference there. Working in the church for a lot of times, especially with teenagers, I can't tell you how many parents, they haven't said these words, but they've kind of given me this impression. Here's my kid. I'll pick him up when he's 18. Okay? If you can have him baptized, sanctified, dry cleaned, I mean, just, you know, make sure he cleans his room, that would be great. And parents, the goal of parenting is not to teach our kids how to behave. And I know this is going to rub some of you the wrong way. It's not to teach them behavior modification, where they can simply adopt a set of behavioral rules that they live with while they're under your shelter, and then as soon as they go away to college, they take off that disguise and they live how their heart has been all the time. Instead, our job as parents is to introduce them to Jesus. The person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, and the power of Jesus. Because when Jesus invades a young life, when Jesus invades any life, the primary job of the Holy Spirit is to transform the character of that person, which oftentimes is reflected in a Christ-like behavior. But it's not just to get them to behave. You introduce them to Jesus. That's the spiritual legacy. Then let Jesus change them from the inside out. And speaking as an empty nester, this goes by so quick.
you only have one shot at this. As a matter of fact, I put in your notes the number of days that you have from birth until high school graduation. It's about 6,570 days. It's about 938 weeks, or it's 216 months from the time they're born until the time that they graduate. And you don't get those days back once they're spent. See, you can fast forward childhood, but you can't rewind it. That you've got to be intentional. And moms and dads, you are the most profound spiritual influence in your kid's life. This is a picture of my mom. And my mom was into astrology when I was this age, right here. She had a spiritual bent to her, and she was searching. And by the time I hit junior high, there were some women at the school that I went to that had surrounded my mom and led my mom to Jesus. And at that point, my mom put a spiritual stake in our family, and she pointed all of us in that direction of Jesus. I can't even imagine where my life would be today had my mom not said, we're about following Jesus. And allowed me to be a part of that discovery. But I'm part of her spiritual legacy. Okay? I'm also part of her um, weirdness legacy. Okay? This, is, this is my mom right there. Okay? So, you know, we are, this is a, a big, big deal. Now, let's get back to the idea of influencing the next generation. Now, when you think about what has had the most profound spiritual impact on your life, think about this for a second. What's had the most profound spiritual impact on, on your life? And um, as painful as it is to admit, it's not going to be one of my messages. It's not going to be one of Jeff's messages either, which are, which are better, uh, but it's not going to be a message. It's not going to be a seminar. It's probably not going to be a song. Chances are very good. The most spiritual impact on your life has been you watching somebody live out their faith in a very real, intangible way. What is Paul saying to older women? Show them how to love. Show them how to love their husbands. Show them how to love their children. Show them how to love. And ladies, you are so much better at this than men. Guys, you can argue with me all day, all day long. You're wrong, okay? When you get to heaven, you'll see I was right on this. Women just know how to love better. And our children prove it. When your kids are hurt in the front yard and they run in the house, who do they call for? Who do they call for? Mom, exactly. No kid ever calls for dad. Why? Because dads don't care. Right? I run in bleeding as a kid. What does my dad say? Shake it off, kid. Shake it off. I want to, but the bone is sticking out. You know that? Get out of here. Hand me a remote. Go give me some ice cream. You know, whatever it was, all right? Your moms, you're, you're just so much better at this. You're better at relationships. You're better at love. And he says, show them. Older women, show the younger. By the way, if you're 23... You're an older woman to somebody who's younger. There's a 15-year-old who you could be showing how to live life. Paul says that when we, when we're, what we are to show is we're to show, in essence, how to, how to love. 
I love this verse in Isaiah, it's Old Testament, Isaiah 49, 15. It, it says, never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. This is fascinating, moms. That when God was looking for a picture to show what his undying love looks like, the best word picture that he comes up with is a mother's love for her child. You know how to love. You embody it. And there are a lot of younger women in our culture who need to just watch you. They need to watch you and they need you to be a little intentional. You don't want anything from them. You're just going gonna to come alongside them. They need to know how to have a good marriage. They need to know how to be ethical in the, in the marketplace. They need to know how to care for other people. They, know how to, they need to know how to grieve and they need to know what to do when they, they're in crisis or they struggle. They need to know how to love as they live. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says this, when God's children are in need, be the one to help them out and get in the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging, invite them over for the night. I haven't talked about my own wife yet. It would be easier this service because she doesn't come to this service. She'll be at next service. It'll be a little tougher. Um, you'll probably never see her on stage. She's probably never going to speak here. That's just not her gig. But she lives out this verse that I just read. This welcome into her home to feed them, to, to let them live with you. I mean, she is an amazing mother. This is, this is Kathy, if you've never seen her or met her. These are my three kids. Cassie's in the middle. She's 20. Tori's 26. And Cody's 23. And she has loved them deeply. And she's a mother of three, but that mothering instinct did not stop theirs. That Kathy's had a heart that has wanted to adopt. And unfortunately, Kathy's married to a... Um, hard-hearted, um, cruel man who didn't want to adopt more children. And so for the last 10 to 12 years, um, God has brought two other girls into our life that, that we've kind of adopted. Kathy has, has loved them like they're her own. Um, the one in the white dress is Tori. She's getting married at the end of this month. So this was just a couple, couple days ago at a... Um, at a wedding shower. That's Lindsay in the middle. Lindsay's married uh, to Kevin. Been married for three years. They have a little baby, um, Cohen, middle name Fields, which uh, was a statement I was kind of hoping for Douglas. Uh, but, you know, went with Fields, which pretty much describes Kathy's relationship with her, and that's, that's Delia. And these two women have, uh, young women have been in our life, and Kathy has been the most significant female in their life. There's a lot of weird family stuff that I won't go into that these girls have, have experienced. And Kathy has loved them when they've messed up and she's loved them when they've succeeded. Um, and she's also done this, my wife has also done this with teenagers over the last 30 years. Um, every Wednesday night, our house is open to teenage girls. And she, this is her first year she's taken off in a long time. She hasn't done it this year. We, we were traveled a lot in the, in the fall. But um, 
you know, here's a, here's a woman, an older woman, who has spent 30 years hanging out with teenage girls, okay? mentoring them, loving them, guiding them. This morning, um, this just a couple hours old, my youngest, who's in Italy, sent me a, um, a letter and said, Dad, can you print this out for Mom? And I'm not going to read you the whole letter. But as I read it this morning, I thought, oh, my gosh. My daughter summed up my whole message in this letter. I'll just read you a couple pieces of it, Mom. I'm sitting here thinking about who you are, and I am in awe. You're the strongest woman I know, while at the exact time being completely humble and gentle. Mom, so many women look up to you the way you do life. Not only Tori and Delia and Lindsay and I, so she includes the other two, just kind of family, but my friends do, and so do your friends. You are the backbone of our family. I love that you're a mom to so many people. Thank you for teaching us how to be hospitable and to invite and take people in. Every time I tell people what I want to do with my life, I begin to tear up. It's because of the influence you've had on my life that has given me such a large passion to begin and simply try to do that for kids who haven't had a Kathy Fields in their life. Your love is the biggest gift that you've given me, and I can't imagine doing something with my life that doesn't try to do that for others. I understand the love of Christ better because of the way that you love me. Moms, you have tremendous mothering instincts. There are so many younger women in our church, in our community, who just need a little bit of you. They don't need you to open the house every Wednesday night. I'm not asking everybody to become a Kathy Fields. I'm just saying there's maybe somebody on your radar. There's maybe somebody that the Holy Spirit has put on your heart or your mind as I've been speaking. And I want to encourage you to, to lean into that person. We have junior high girls and high school girls who right now could, could use any of you to come alongside them and to care for them. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You just have to be one week ahead of them. All right? And you don't even, here's what I say, you don't even have to like, teen, you don't have to love teenagers, you just have to like them. I want you to love Jesus and like teenagers. That's a good equation, okay? Because eventually you'll fall in love with them. And if you, if we would love to have you be part of our, our volunteer team here. And if that strikes a chord within you, I encourage you on your Connect card, just tear it off and write your name down and one of the youth ministry people will get in touch with you. But before we finish, let me just return to this, this final phrase in our passage in Titus. At the end of the passage, he says, then they will not bring shame on the word of God. And I thought, what an interesting way to end that. That if they do all this, they will not bring shame on the word of God. That there is so much at stake here, including the word of God. That the word of God is alive and active and it penetrates and changes us. And then those of us who live it out, he's saying, you've got to pass it on to us. Got to pass it on. Mom, you're a great mom. And there are younger women who need you to be a spiritual mom. And my prayer is you walk out of it here today, you feel celebrated, you feel loved, but you also at least have a little seed planted that there are other younger people than you who need a little bit of what you have and who you are. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for every person who's here today. And I know they matter 
to you no matter where they've been, what they've done, where life's journey has taken them, that you care deeply about all of us. And I pray specifically for the women in our church that, that they would have the courage and be brave enough to live for you. I pray that you would give them wisdom to make decisions with their busy schedules to do what matters most. Would you bless these women today, Jesus? Remind them of the real shape of beauty. A love that is known and then passed on. We pray for really personal and relational revival to happen within our church family because of the women here. We pray this in the name of Jesus.